Hello, hello, and welcome to In My Shoes. It's a podcast for women of color, talking about the issues we're dealing with on a daily basis, y'all. And I am your host, Karen Davis-Thompson. And today's episode marks the end of our Race in America series. It has been um, very therapeutic for me to be a part of it, and I decided that I wanted to end by sharing my own thoughts today. Um, haven't really done that. I mean, I, I I would, you know, maybe share an opinion here and there based on the topic of that week, but hadn't really talked about how it has impacted me um, emotionally, um, what I'm thinking. And so I wanted to share that today, if that's okay with you all. So I'll start with the murder. And I am always very conscious of calling it a murder because he was murdered. Uh, the murder of George Floyd. I will tell you that I have still not been able to watch all nearly nine minutes of the video. It is, it's just too disturbing for me. I I thought it was important that I watch as much of it as I thought I could stomach, but haven't been able to bring myself to watch it all. Um, I will be forever changed by what I did see. I mean, the fact that this man begged for his life, was calling for his mother. It it just, I, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able, um, to fully express how I felt um, as that was happening and, and as we were watching those um, those videos. And more than the fact that he was murdered is the fact that those responsible who are sworn to protect and serve did so in a manner that was so cruel. I mean, it was as if they didn't care, very cavalier. You can see on their faces, they have no regard for the fact that they're being videotaped. It's not even like they're going to say, yo, hey, they're taping us, you know, ease up. It was like, it didn't matter. They felt like they had the right to do that. And I heard it described in a way that was so true. Um, If you've never listened to um, Michelle Obama's podcast, she has out um, on Spotify, I suggest that you do. It's been really great to listen to. In the most recent episode, she had Michelle Norris on, who is um, a correspondent with NPR. And she said that they killed that man. They sat on him. They treated him like he was cattle, you know, like he was just nothing. And I thought, wow, that's a really interesting way to put it because that that's it. And Mrs. Obama even talked about the fact that so much of what we're going through right now, it is so heavy. It is so hard to wrap your brain around um, and that it has led to some depression for her. Uh, And I thought it was really brave of her to admit that. Um, And it is, it's been heavy. Uh, That's the word I would use to describe it. It's just heavy. And then after his death, uh, you had the the protests. Even with the protests, it was beautiful to see people of all different walks of life, cultures uh, come together and say, hey, I am standing in solidarity with my Black brothers and sisters who are being murdered, killed. Um, They're not being protected by people who, who were sworn to um, serve and protect in this land of the free, home of the brave, where that's clearly not the case for them. Um, even that, we couldn't even have that um, because you have rioters, this subset of people who, by the way, a lot of them were infiltrators whose sole purpose was to come in, riot, so that we would start talking about that instead of what was a beautiful moment of people coming together to acknowledge the change that is so necessary in this country. Instead of talking about that, we spent time talking about see that. So you could have 
I mean, I think they were protesting in almost, you know, every major city in the United States and abroad. And you had dozens of them. I, I might even say hundreds that were peaceful, that were lawful. And you might have had five, six where they were looting and breaking door, you know, windows. And that is what people wanted to start honing in on, on social media, et cetera. And I guess what gets me is it's like, really, it's that easy for you all to get off message that that was purposeful instead of really talking about what we should have been. And I'll, I'll give you an example of how easily that took place. So I am walking, this was about a week or two ago. And I try to walk in the mornings before it gets hot, any hotter here in Florida. And, um, you know, spoke to my neighbor on my way in and sometimes he likes to chat, no big deal. So it started off innocent enough. I was able to kind of keep up. So he, um, we, when my husband and I, we had our roof done maybe about a year or two ago and he recently needed to have his done, asked us who we used and they used the same company. So we're talking about that just casual conversation. And then he says, yeah, you know, I need to get my house painted now and, you know, I normally would do it myself, but I'm just falling apart. And, you know, I used to work out and, you know, the wife doesn't want me to anymore going to the gym. And I said, oh, I understand. I don't want my husband going either. COVID is real. It's real. So yeah, we just have to make it do what it do and uh, walk, you know, exercise around the house, et cetera. So, you know, I'm following the chain train of thought here. You know, we go from the roof. Now we're talking about, you know, painting, home improvement, et cetera. And then he says, you know, everybody wants to blame this president. And I'm thinking, where are we going with this? But, you know, to each his own. I don't know how anybody, and I must preface this by saying my neighbor is Hispanic. I don't know how any person of color could be a supporter of Donald Trump. That's just my opinion. So if that's who you want to ride with, that's your business. So if you are a Trump supporter, you have every right to be if that's what you want to do. I may not understand it, but hey. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe we're still talking about the same thing because I, like many Americans, believe that there has been a total lack of leadership as it relates to the uh, pandemic. So, you know, perhaps he doesn't blame the president. I don't blame him for the pandemic, but I do blame him for his lack of stepping up and leading the country so that we can um, manage it as 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 best as we could. You know, we look like idiots, in my opinion, but I digress. So. I'm thinking maybe that's what we're talking about, right? You know, people blaming the president for the pandemic until he said, um, yeah, you know, because you just can't go around burning people's businesses. You have to have law and order. Huh? So how did we get there? We were talking about um, home improvement and COVID-19. How did we get to law and order? So I had to say to him, you know, I think that we can all agree that looting is wrong. We can all agree, but we should also all be able to agree that you also, it's also wrong to kill black people because it's Tuesday, because it's a weekday, because it's the weekend, because you just feel like it. Like we should be able to agree to that as well. Oh, 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 well, totally, totally, because, you know, he's killing Hispanic people, too, because remember, I said that he is Hispanic. Um, yes, yeah, sir, you have a nice day. At this point, I, I'm done talking because out of everything that's going on in the world, all you get out of it is we shouldn't blame President Trump because we have to have law and order, because if that's what you think, 
then where was the law and order when they murdered George Floyd? We didn't need law and order then. We just need it when you're talking about looters, but we don't need law and order when we are killing black people. Where was law and order when Trayvon Martin was murdered over a Snapple and a hoodie because his murderer, whose name I won't even use today, decided that he was tired of them. And if you go back and listen to some of the 911 calls, this was about race every day of the week, right? If you are at all confused about that, go back and listen. They are always walking through our neighborhood and they are always doing this and they are always doing that. So he had it out for this young man. The poor boy was walking through the neighborhood with his hoodie on from the corner store with his Snapple drink. Where was law and order when that happened? So it amazes me how easy it is for us to get off track or for people, because not us. I'm fully crystal clear about what's going on, but how easy it is for people to be laywayed and sidetracked by what we should really, waylaid, I'm sorry, and sidetracked from what we really should be discussing. And um, it, it just really makes me wonder how sincere we are about change. And by that, I mean, right after he died, there were companies coming out with statements about how they, you know, this racial injustice is wrong. There were um, people, you know, uh, companies with millions, sometimes hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars to throw behind this foundation and that foundation for the betterment of black folk. And I'm wondering where all of you were the day before George Floyd died. Where were you when Breonna Taylor was murdered? Where were you when Trayvon Martin was murdered? You didn't think we needed to better black folk. You didn't think we needed to give money for the betterment of black folk then. So I wonder how sincere it is. You know, fashion magazines and corporations coming out talking about how they need to have more diversity on their boards and more diversities, you know, more diversity of, you know, models on the runway. When you put your show together and you had one person of color modeling, it didn't dawn on you that you didn't have enough diversity. When you've been sitting in these boardrooms for years, months, looking at the same white men and maybe occasionally a white woman, it didn't dawn on you then, gee, there are no persons of color in this room. So you needed a man to die for almost nine minutes, begging for his life for you to recognize that black people were underrepresented, that they were mistreated, that they were downtrodden. You didn't see that before this. Um, and I don't know, it's sad to me that that's what it took for some people to say, gee, this might really be a problem. Um, and so it makes me concerned that some of it is not sincere. And um, I, don't, I don't mean to be, um, I guess, cynical when it comes to that. Uh, but it just worries me that it isn't sincere. And to hear somebody like our first lady talk about the fact that she's even, you know, really been bummed, you know, it lets me know I'm not alone. Um, it, it's really, it's, it's hard for all of us. It also has been fascinating to me, the number of um, incidents that we weren't even aware of until George Floyd. So I'll give you an example and I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes. But a woman, a, a black police officer, female, a few years back, 
was on call with a colleague, white male cop. And I don't know exactly what the suspect or the person that they were um, investigating, I don't know what happened, but her colleague was literally beating the life out of this man. And it was clearly excessive force. She jumped on his back to try and stop him. They fired that woman, took her pension. Now they're going to review her case three years later. Really? You didn't know that was wrong when you did it? You didn't think, hmm, she is, you know, we are here to serve and protect. What he did was wrong. So you take her livelihood and now you're going to revisit it. Or like I mentioned Breonna Taylor a few moments ago, I heard about her case before George Floyd died. And I had heard, you know, that there was something weird that went down with it. But it never was receiving the amount of attention that it has received since George Floyd died. Look at the number of cases that have come to light since then that were swept under the rug that now have come to light. And I'm thinking, you guys didn't know this stuff was wrong before now? It took this for you to figure it out. But now I'm supposed to believe that you're sincere when 24 hours before this man's death, this stuff was business as usual and nobody said a word. Um, and that bothers me since George Floyd was murdered. It's not like they've stopped doing it either, by the way. Um, and so it's, it's still happening. It is still continuing. Um, so, you know, we got this outpouring like, wow, we really get it now, but everybody doesn't get it because it's still going on even now, even, you know, on social media, some of the things that people are saying, I have, I I have lost a few friends behind this. And I'm sure a lot of you have because people's true colors have started to show. I don't know if you guys remember this reporter. I'm not even going to give her name. She's not, in my opinion, not even really a reporter because to me, reporters, you actually tell well-rounded stories where you support both sides. You give both sides. That's what a reporter does. You know, I, I, that's what I went to school for. There's a craft behind that. But anyway, um, she worked at Fox. And several years ago when LeBron James, well, I'll start first. You know, Drew Brees was asked for his opinion as they did several celebrities after George Floyd's murder. What did he think? What was his opinion? And he goes on this tirade about, um, you know, he will never be able to support people who kneel during the national anthem who take a knee and all he could think about is his grandfather who fought for this country in the war and this is just something he cannot support nobody asked you the question was your opinion on what happened to george floyd why we're still talking about it's funny y'all don't want to hire colin you all want to act like what happened to Colin, you know, is, is in the past, yet you don't seem to be able to stop talking about it because that's not the question you were asked, Drew. It's not what they asked you. And this uh, Fox host is what I'll call her, came to his defense and talked about how he has a right to his opinion. And, you know, we shouldn't get upset. So first of all, you see how we're deflecting kind of like with the rioting. Really? We're not talking about the issue at hand, which was the murder of George Floyd. We're talking about kneeling for the national anthem, which was so not the question. So she comes to his defense. This same host of a Fox show um, a few years ago, when LeBron James gave some political commentary about this current president, 
um, about his lack of leadership, whatever they were discussing. And it was a few days after some uh, racial slurs were uh, graffitied all over his home in L.A. He made his opinion known and she told him that he needed to shut up and dribble. So it's interesting that LeBron James should shut up and dribble, but Drew doesn't have to shut up and throw. It's okay for Drew to have an opinion, but not for this black man to have one. So it doesn't even matter. Not that I'm telling you guys anything you don't know. Money, prestige, status, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, the rules don't seem to be the same. It's okay for Drew to talk off topic, by the way, because that's not even what he was asked. And you should have told him, shut up and, and throw Drew. You know, but no, he has a right to his opinion. Um, and so that's what we're doing to deflect from what we really need to be worried about. You know, the controversy over using the phrase Black Lives Matter. And people want to tell you all lives matter. And I'm sure you've all seen it. How can you say all lives matter if Black lives don't matter? Because we're a part of the all lives, or at least we should be. Uh, but as Mrs. Obama said in her podcast and as my um, husband's longtime friend David said when he was on the show, that would require you to see us as human beings. And sadly, so many in the mainstream still do not. We are property. We are something to be feared, to be stamped out, to be eradicated. Even though we just want to live life like everybody else. We want a house, want to keep our jobs, raise our kids. We're not asking for anything crazy. Yet it doesn't seem that this land of the free, this home of the brave, this song that all of you are, you know, these people who are, you know, I I just love it. So when, when people disrespect it, if you listen to the words, really, I did a blog post on it. This land is your land. This land is my land. It's not. It isn't. You, you know, you sing these words and they bring you so much pride, but you're not living it. You're not. My uncle, you know, my dad told me a story about my uncle who came back from war. And while white men were heroes, he could barely work. But he fought in the same war that these white men fought in. But somehow his contribution didn't mean as much. And he came back barely able to find work. Where white men came back as heroes and as people to look up to. So it's amazing how hypocritical it all is that we can talk about this great land of freedom and and my rights. But for some reason, that doesn't apply to black folk. It doesn't apply apply to brown folk. We're we're not a part of that. Um, And it's a hard truth to say that somebody doesn't see you as a human being. But that is part of the issue. We're we're not seen as people. Um, And I wonder, too about what's going to happen as we prepare for this election. Are people going to um, have short memories? You know, recently, 45 has um, signed all these executive orders. It's like he thinks he can just executive order his way into whatever he wants. And I won't go into a bunch of detail, but you know know they're having trouble coming up with another stimulus package to help those who have lost their job because of the pandemic. And I fully support that. I think that we need to do that. But because they can't come to an agreement, he signed executive orders and he wants to suspend the payroll tax. And, you know, people are saying he's trying to help. 
No, this is politics, people. Really open your eyes and pay attention. That executive order is most likely not even going to see. I mean, it's not worth the paper he printed it on because he doesn't have the legal authority or power to do that. But what he can say is, see, I tried and Congress wouldn't. And so then he looks like the hero. And the payroll tax he wants to suspend would bankrupt, kill, annihilate, whatever word you'd like to use, Social Security, which a lot of uh, people of color, um, people with um, lower income, et cetera, will need to rely on as a part of their retirement. That man, 45, is not going to, he doesn't care about Social Security. He doesn't need it. But for those of us who do, he's killing it. But we're not we're not putting all of that together, and I hope that people don't get lulled into or or don't believe that surely nobody is going to want four more years of this, uh, because I don't know if we can handle four more years of it. But my fear is that either people will have short memories, or even worse, what happened four years ago will happen again when Bernie Sanders supporters just flat out stayed home because they were upset that their candidate didn't win. And now look at what we have. Um, They were, I mean, you know, Hillary Clinton tried to invite them to the uh, Democratic National Convention. They would come. They got all over Bernie and called him a traitor when he, you know, tried to throw his support to her once she won the nomination. Um, Let me tell you this. I, I, I voted for Hillary Clinton. I voted for her in the primary and I voted for her in the general election. But make no mistake, had Bernie Sanders... One, I would have voted for Bernie, period. It's like, because your person on the ticket didn't win, you just gonna stay home. And now we have what we've dealt with for the last four years. And I fear that we'll have four more. And like I said, I don't know if I have the the emotional fortitude to deal with four more years of this um because it has been a lot <laughs> it's been a lot and um but you know I, I i after having said that though i i i work very hard to remain hopeful because if i lose hope it, that's a wrap and so i have to remember that there are still really good people in this world who want to see um us come together there are people who, even through this tragedy and, and, and the murder of George Floyd and the things that have happened, who really have said, wow, I have been living in my own little bubble and I can't do that anymore. I must speak out. I must, you know, show my support. And they really mean it. And so I have to hang on to that so that I don't drown in despair or worry because it's not going to do me any good. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm big on praying, you know, I believe in the Lord. I've told you all that. And I, he knows what's happening down here and he knows what we need. Um, and I feel you guys praying for me and I'm praying for you all because there's just, to me, that's the only way we're going to be able to get through it. Um, and so I'm hoping for better days, um, trying to do my part, um, making sure that I vote, making sure that the two adults, uh, that I have raised vote and understand what's at stake and what it means for them, praying for them every day, praying for all of you, um, praying for a better days where we can 
um, you know, move about a little bit more uh, and um, spend time together and uh, just just live our lives. I, I have to just hold on to hope that we're going to be able to do that um, so that we can all make it. So those are my thoughts about what's been going on and how it has impacted me. Um, I am excited to uh, announce, as you know, we've got a couple of more episodes left before we will have finished up season one. I cannot believe it's been long enough that we will wrap season one. Um, have a few exciting things to share about what's coming up in season two. And I would love to know uh, what episodes really spoke to you over the last uh, almost 30 episodes that we've done. So if you could hit me up at kdt at inmyshoestoday.com. Again, kdt at inmyshoestoday.com. Some of you have already let me know uh, what episodes really resonated with you. And I'll be reaching out to get your thoughts. I might even have you on the show with me. At least definitely give you a shout out. Give you a few updates. A lot of you um, have said that the episodes where I kind of shared about my daughter really resonated. And so I'll give you an update on how she's doing. Um as well as just kind of look back on what we've talked about uh, and what we will be talking about in season two. Uh, So I hope you all enjoyed just hearing a little bit about what I've been feeling. Um, Again, love to hear from you. And until we meet again, be blessed.